Let's let's start with this one. No. Let's start with this one. No. Nine nine forty five no. on Friday morning, and we are here talking about domestic league finals. I mean, I mean, listen. The commitment. We're talking about the domestic league finals, not even the yearly finals, not even about the NBA finals. This we're talking here. We're, we, we're, we're talking here, here talking about <laughs> domestic league finals. I woke up at how uh, silly is that? At six thirty to rewatch the Turkish league uh, semifinal game three. So man, my day started at five thirty. Five thirty. Basically, okay. because of my son, I went to sleep after twelve o'clock because we had some great game four in the LKL finals. Wow. The amazing game winner from Marcus Foster. So it was a long night. And I went to sleep, but at the same time, my son decided to wake up uh, for some reason at one at one o'clock. And somehow we made him fall asleep again. And then since the sun rises really early, and now in Lithuania, it, it our room gets very bright uh, in mm. the morning. So at four in the morning, he thought that it's it's you know it's, it's enough morning. of sleep. Yeah, it's morning. Uh, let, let's start the day. <laughs> we put him in our bed. We tried to make him asleep. I don't remember how long it took. He he was just you know kicking our heads, uh, kicking us, uh, crying, and basically five twenty five. I you know I I wouldn't say woke up. I woke up earlier, but I decided that this is it. I mean now mm. we probably need to start the the morning. But at the same time, later we had some big conflict, uh, changing diapers uh, with my son. But uh, like a few minutes later, I had this amazing father and son moment. So my son was already playing with toys, with cars, and I was watching Greek League finals game too. And he, he's a big basketball fan. And he heard, uh, probably it was, you know, fans cheering, probably it was the sounds of sneakers, whistles and everything. He stopped playing with toys. He came to me. He w went on the, the sofa, got up to, on the sofa. Uh, he sat next next to me and started watching game. And he started just cheering uh, after I made shots. <laughs> so I was like, although I was so mad uh, on him due to all the things that happened during the night, also due to this diaper uh, conflict. I mean, it was that amazing father and son moment when we just... And we were there just watching domestic league finals, game two of the Greek <laughs> league. And, you know, my son was cheering, watching both teams actually score. Your son knows uh, the weak spot, the weak link yeah. on your defense. Yeah. But, but he really watched uh, a five Olympiakos lineup of without Walkup, Kanan, uh, Vezenkov, uh, and Slukas to end the game too. He, he didn't know why Walkup was ejected. <laughs> he didn't know why Vezenkov was out. You know, he, he didn't watch the the main, the main uh, material. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Talking about that game too. What's the first thing that stands out? To By you? the way, if you didn't press like button yet for us doing the podcast at, at nine forty five in the morning to talk about the domestic league finals. What are you doing here? I mean, what you're waiting for? So before we go to talk about this game, click the like button, subscribe Basket News channel, uh, and follow us on basketnews.com. Join our BN Plus community on basketnews.com slash plus. We have some great extra features. Uh, now we have some uh, great rumor center, central on BN uh, Insider. 
and a lot of other stuff. Uh, short sh shout outs to uh, subscribers who subscribe us on All Star or GM level. It's Polis Tintinis, Hoofman, Kristas Pokitis, Gabriel Serva, Sports Cards Time, Luka Sucevic, Janut Georgesko, Alex Sirigotis, David Zamzla, and Dennis. And of course, a uh, big thank you for 185 Beyond Plus members uh, already. The so Basket yeah. News Insider got quite a few member plus members plus the last Q&A session, so. Yeah, and we will update the, I would say, verified rumors, but not verified enough for them to make the reports on basketnews.com. Uh, and yeah, we try to be very selective with the information we're we're providing. It's not like we're putting everything here, but we're just sharing what the basketball people are actually talking behind the scenes. We're not just picking some information from Twitter, from basketball forums, websites, or whatsoever. It's kind of you know verified rumors. So. I think it's I think it's an amazing feature that we have on, on the Basket News Plus. It's really worth the subscription, together with all the other things that yeah. that comes with it, but. Just just seeing what is happening on Twitter like recently and just every it's like I'm not against people who are doing it. It's I'm really, you know, it, it's really nice to have insights about what's going on, but I think we have to be more careful with the information with the information that's being put out because right now, you know, you hear maybe one thing from someone and you put it immediately to the public. And even though it might not be true and just then you see the players getting, you know, signing with three different teams on three different days because three different people are reporting. And then it's like, why are we even we're, we're doing this? You know, so I think, you know, to have this be an insider uh, where we can really put the information that that's maybe, you know, not worth the article, not worth tweeting. Because I know that you have so much stuff, you know, going on behind the scenes that that's not, you know, being put out to Twitter to everyone. So that's that's really cool, I think. And it's just, I think, uh, you know, I I wish uh, everybody would check information as much as Donatus uh, does before before really putting it out. So that's really cool. Thanks. Man. Uh, about the game. About the game. <laughs> What do you want to What do you want to talk about first? Because uh, you know you want to talk about the ejection, about uh, injury, about yogurt attack. <laughs> yogurt attack. That's the first time. Sounds I, cool, right? I saw something like that, which Sounds is cool. which is actually fine. I would prefer yogurt attack rather than stone attack. You know, flares mm -hmm. attack. Uh, you like yogurt that much? What's that all I just, about? I mean, yogurt I just feel that yogurt is, or is soft. Just, Soft attack, soft mode of attacking. So I don't know. I prefer this way, attacking okay. somebody this way. You know what else was soft? Ooh, the ejection. Thomas, Thomas walk of ejection in my the eyes. Softest ejection we've witnessed in years. And uh, we are now walking uh, a fine line between the Olympia Cause fans oh. and Panathinaikos Cause fans. But every day, every but day. But I think uh, I think that ejection was. First of all, that unsportsmanlike foul against Paris Lee was a basketball move of protecting yourself, and he was just unlucky, I think, to hit him in the in the bad spot. But I mean, I've, but I really think that the second one, the technical for flopping, was even worse. Yeah, I was I, I was about to say, you know, yeah. it's it's unfortunate, you know, you hit uh, yeah. you hit him in a in the in the bad spot, but the second one, the guy falls down 
I don't think he does that on purpose. And then he's already like, you see him wanting to stand up as quickly as possible. You know, that happens on the basketball court. You might get pushed in the moment when you do not expect it. And then, and you are on the floor and, and the referee immediately calls a technical foul on you for flopping. So which that, means that, that you're was thrown out of the game. And yeah. that, that's the thing. I, I'm not sure if that was a flop or not, but which means, I mean, we have two objective uh, people uh, talking about this particular situation. You say that you think it was not a flop. I'm not so sure. And the problem is that when there's this thin line, whether it was a flop or not, the technical foul decides the game for Olympiacos, basically. Uh, Volkov's ejection really hurt them a lot. And I just don't think it's fair uh, to eject and to throw out uh, the player out of the game for this, for and especially for, you know, for those two sequences. You can give a warning for a flop if you thought that that was a flop, mm. but it was not a clear flop, first of all, and you're giving a straight technical foul, which means that Thomas Volkov is out. I don't know, man. It, it's, it, for me, it doesn't feel right. And no. then, you know, it was a, like a snowball effect for Olympiacos because, first of all, they were already missing Costas Lucas due to health reasons. Then Thomas Walker was having a great game. He was making shots. Don't forget that, you know, they're missing Isaiah Kanan. Exactly. It's like he's not part of the team for the finals. Yeah. So you miss, uh, you miss him, you miss Costas Lucas. Then Thomas Walkup gets thrown out. Walkup had 14 points. He was six from eight, and he was he was he would have been super important for Olympiacos in the decisive moments of the game. And the, the worst part that happened that on a night when you don't have Isaiah Cannon, Costas Lucas, and Thomas Walkup, you have Shaq McKissick uh, hitting one from seven, uh, Yanulis Larzakis hitting one from eight. So it's mm. it's really hard to win a basketball game when you don't ha you don't have Thomas Walkup, Costas Lucas, and then Sasha Vizenkov as well. Yeah, and and you know. Walkup finally, you know, everybody's playing right now him the same way. And they're going under and yeah. they're forcing him to shoot. We saw that in the final four with Monaco and then Real Madrid doing similar, more Monaco, but Real Madrid, Real Madrid were quite different about it. But but uh, we see Pau doing the same thing and, 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 you know, he hits those shots. He's able to still be efficient and, and not fall, you know, let's say... He doesn't allow that tactic to be successful in in this in this game and and in the in game one, and you know all of a sudden he gets thrown out of this and then Olympiacos have to finish the game with if I'm not mistaken a lineup of Mustafa Fall, Alec Peters, Shaq McKissick, uh, Papa Nicolau, uh, and Larenzakis, and like who is your primary ball handler? Who is your creator? Costas Papa Nicolau hit one big free. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was a defensive mistake from uh, there was a pick and roll and uh, Grigonis thought Papayanis is going to switch that screen. He doesn't. Papa Nicolau is completely wide open because Grigonis just stops playing, obviously because there is no chance for him anymore to to recover. And then he hits a big free. But you know, in general, if you look at this lineup for the last. Five or six or seven minutes, you know, you you lack scoring, you lack creation. All these guys are great around great yeah. players, around Slukas, around uh, Vezenkov, together with uh, other guys. But but when they have to create by themselves, 
you have a game which finishes 67-65. And Shaq McKissick uh, attempting a contested three-pointer is already a victory for 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 the defensive. Uh, Definitely. End. And by the way, Papa Nikolaou had a really big game. Wow, he played all 40 minutes? All 40 minutes he played. Yeah, wow, 15 game. points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds. I think in the fourth quarter he scored like 7 or 8 points. And he was, again, very important. Uh, when, when, when it really matters, he's always uh, showing mm. up. So it was a big uh, game by him. But, I mean, we already mentioned that it's basically it's almost impossible to win the basketball game without free guys. I mean, uh, during the season... Slukas, Wokov, Zenkov, they combined for 44% of Olympiakos total points, 48% of uh, performance index rating, at least in the EuroLeague. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I, I also want to give credit uh, for Panathinaikos guys. I wanted to say that. Don't let, Let's not forget uh, yeah. uh, Pao's team. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's hard to exclude one guy from this team uh, because uh, they're... This team is not about one guy anymore. Yeah, yeah. That guy left already, but uh, maybe I, I will start from Mateusz Ponitka. Uh, I think that he started the game really nice. He did his a decent job stopping Sasha Vezenkov before he got injured. And of course, in the end, uh, he created a lot of advantages for Panathinaikos. Uh, uh, for instance, on the post-up, uh, drawing a double team, then kicking the ball out uh, to Manzukas, who who played a big role in the fourth quarter as well. And then in the, in the last minute of the game, that great step back uh, over Mustafa Fall. Tough. And on the other end, you you play a great defense against Shaq McKissick and putting him in a most difficult situation to score that three-pointer. So it was a all-around greatness by Mateusz Ponitka in, in this game. And just just listen to what you're saying. Like he's guarding Vizankov on one side, and then creating advantages against the guards of Olympia Kos in the post because he is just mm. you know so versatile. He's versatile guy, all around guy. You know what's one thing he does really well? You know you can't really say where he's exceptional. You know let's say like mm. Vizankov is at off ball. He's mm. good. At, and and you know above average in so many different things and that's why he's so let's say uh, efficient for 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 that team that uh three pointer was tough shot you know you're not used to that uh from him maybe when he's playing for Poland more yeah. he really brought us back to eurobasket yeah. memories and that 40 point game uh that last defense on McKissick i think he had a perfect uh, distance from him not allowing him to get his too much of his speed, but also, you know, being there to contest that shot, even though that's the shot you want McKissick to take. But uh, talking about Pau, I did not watch, uh, let's be honest, we probably did not watch them for the last couple of months because, mm. you there know, was no there, there, was, them, there was no reason to watch them. There was no reason to watch them. There was, you know, the EuroLeague, they were not in the playoffs. Last month of the EuroLeague uh, regular season, you were probably watching the games that involved the teams that were about to qualify or that were about to play the playoffs. And they were just not a fun team to watch in my eyes, but because of the body language, because of the disconnectedness in the team. But right now, I watched them for the first time after mm -hmm. a longer time. And it's like, okay, this is a different team that we saw from yeah. the beginning of the season. Uh, they're fighting. They are actually trying on defense. They are trying to support each other. I mean, 
just a huge improve after the the first part of the season they still don't have right now you know they lack the number one scoring option on their on their team Paris Lee Maris Grigonis are trying to be those guys I think they are really solid you know secondary both secondary ball handlers so I don't expect from them some yeah. beautiful basketball because because you know they, they, they I don't think this roster can can do that but they are one one in the series against uh, you know a team who played in the Euroleague final and they had a solid game one as well and uh, they are grinding I like I like how you know Paris Lee and Grigonis are are trying you know they're they're re both relentless I love how Kalidzakis uh, are stepping up from the bench and just playing solid defense all of a sudden on Costas Lucas in game one stealing the ball two times from him. Uh, you know, just just Agravanis is hustling. A lot of a lot of guys. Greek, those I mean. those uh, Greek local guys, all of them, you know, just just playing solid basketball, just doing all the little things for the team. And we, we were not seeing this, you know, when when the team was playing in the first half. So and, and, and some players literally were, you know, counting days on the calendar when the season will be over. I mean their chemistry, their their whole mentality was was really at the bottom, and you cannot expect. I mean, uh, we mentioned those things about Panathinaikos being you know worthless to watch uh, because of the body language and you know not not attractive basketball at all. But at the same time, show me a team that is having a losing season that that had so many uh, different challenges throughout the season that would be happy. There's no mm -hmm. there's no happy losing team that had expectations to perform and uh, for those guys after barely making the greek league finals forcing the game uh, five uh, against the uh, spanulis team uh and now to get together i mean we see them playing more as a team we see them grinding against the one of the best or maybe even the best uh, team in the EuroLeague um, this season. Yeah, that's something. That tells something about those uh, players who still find their inner energy, uh, energy, you know, uh, to fight. And that's why basketball and sports in general is so unpredictable. You have Vizenkov injured and he's doubtful, questionable for game three. You have Slukas having health issues. I'm not sure about the latest updates if he's going to play for game three or not, but he had some some. It was flu, I think. So it means that mm. his body is not also is not 100. So you have two key players of Olympiakos not being close to 100 for the next game, uh, and you have this you know one 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 situation in the best of five. I mean, it's it's getting unpredictable, and once again, it just it's it you know it's all about the momentum. And in this situation, after Panaikos being so close in game one, uh, taking over this game two as well, you never know what can happen. And actually, I had this you know inner uh, discussion, and I would really like to address this question to one of the GMs or, or, or coaches. Like, for instance, if Olympiakos loses the finals, is it bad season? How how would you evaluate this whole experience? Was it failure? Was it a bad season? Who do you prioritize? The achievement, the the medal, the first place, you know, the title, or the whole process? <laughs> when you ask, is it was was it a failure? I just my mind quickly went back to Yanis's answer in the in the post game. Exactly. <laughs> but to me, we are all in the basketball world. I think we are just so quick to jump into conclusions. 
But I don't think you could count this season for Olympiacos if they lose this final. I don't think you could say it's a failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were playing the best basketball in Europe for for the biggest uh, period throughout the season. Let's say they were the best the best team if we are counting, you know, days or months or weeks or whatever. I think they were the best team for the most weeks throughout the season. Uh, they did not win the Euroleague final by one shot, and if they let's say lose this series three to two, they lose both finals but there there are no medals and stuff and and obviously it is what what counts uh on this stage but to me uh it's important to also remember how they played how they arrived there and i don't think one shot of sergio yui can really you know make you say this was a failure it, it it wasn't the best of the seasons because you did not arrive to the to the ultimate goal. But uh, to say that it was a failure, I think it's too much. I remember I had a discussion with one GM uh, about kind of uh, similar things, and I think that he points uh, he emphasized that uh, the result on the court or on the standings is like you know a final uh, thing. Uh, let's see at the top of of uh, let's say it can kind of evaluate your season on the surface for a lot of people but at the same time it shouldn't be the final indicator of your season and uh, you know this final result is just the also a, an outcome of some things you cannot control and at least that gm who i talked to he em- uh, emphasized the meaning of the whole process because I mean, even if Panacos wins, it will be huge. I mean, they 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 lost 40, uh, 14 games in a row against Olympiacos. The last time they won against Olympiacos was like two years ago, I think. At, go- at mm-hmm. home, maybe four years ago. So they uh, they had a really bad stretch, and it's great that they they won and they have a chance to win the title. But it would be hard to see them very happy about this whole experience, right? And what do you take the final, you know, the title or the whole experience? It's 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 a difficult question because your brain kind of tries to trick you and say how can you be happy about the whole process if you lost the finals for instance if you lost the Euroleague final but at the same time probably you took more from the whole experience from from the final result of the final series right mm-hmm. I know if if you or anybody or listening to it can understand what I do I really mean but it, it's I think it's very philosophical uh, question what's What's the goal of of the basketball team of the basketball season, and what's what's really important? Probably it's about you know the perspective uh, that you have, and at, a lot of moment. people have different perspectives. Owners exactly. who invest money, maybe they just want winning. Uh, the coaches, Fans the GMs, the players. I mean, all those players they really grew a lot. They really improved, and that's what they can take the most probably. But yeah, fans have different feelings, so. It's everybody everybody wants titles that's that's obvious players owners you know fans everybody the media that's that's rooting for you everybody wants titles but i think that you can be happy with a season even though you you not you don't win that you know you are not maybe happy for one week after that Sergio Yui shot for two weeks you remember it with you know, with a grain of salt, even after two years or five years, but you were like, okay, that we were playing so great that season. And, and it's like, 
we should continue build on that because if you okay let's look at it from the other side because if you say that it's a failure then you have to try to change something in the summer right and if i'm olympia cause do i want to change a lot after a season like this or do i say let's run it back let's maybe add or change one piece or two pieces from the two pieces from this roster and we are good to go so uh i i think uh, i think they don't they don't need to do that uh one last thing i wanted to mention from the greek finals that i saw from the from these two games was the game was let's say the deciding play from game one uh do you remember that costas lucas pass for uh, mustafa fall dunk in the in the end of game one it was just another moment of Sluka's greatness in my eyes. Mm. Like he drives to the left really hard to the rim. They know he 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 knows that if he sprints to the rim and he's like about to shoot a layup, they are going to switch it. Like Papayanis are going to jump on him. So what he does is he sprints to the rim. He fakes like he's going to shoot a layup. Papayanis jumps on him, but instead of shooting a layup and probably getting blocked, he just lobs this ball up so high and he knows that Harry Slee is next to Mustafa Fall, so there is no chance mm-hmm. of him getting that ball. If he lobs it up, you know, I don't know, at three meters, 2.5 meters, whatever, that ball is landing still at a really high uh, altitude. And Mustafa Fall is the only one that's able to pick it up, and Perry Slee can do nothing about it, and Mustafa Fall that just dunks that ball. And it's one of the most uh, important plays in, in, in game one. So um great drama uh from great from greek league finals uh in the first two games and i hope it will continue like this it kind of reminds me you know with all the wins olympiakos has uh against pao it kind of reminds me is it is it getting like jalgiris ritas scenario and like this season maybe something is going to change or maybe they are going to five games that would already be a win for um pao i think uh, I just think that Eritas had a better season and better experience for sure. the year than Panathinaikos. Sure, Panathinaikos sure. faced way more challenges and difficult situations. They went. Uh, they true. didn't have anything basically great. Yeah, and in this season, we will have a short discussion about Eritas and Jalgiris uh, finals for our Lithuanian fans. But at the same time, we have to show love to the uh, highest quality series so far we're experiencing. It's it's really. So um, weird to watch Greek League Finals, Lithuanian League Finals, and then when you put on FS and Fenerbahce game on your screen, it's a whole wow. different basketball game, to you be You know honest. what I thought this morning when I started the game, uh, game three, I was like, is this going on like 1.25 speed or 1.5 <laughs> speed? Because everything is just happening too fast. And the ball is moving too fast. Shots are falling in, to and be honest. And shots are falling That's in. Weird. Like the start of that game, everybody just making freeze. Yeah. And uh, I think FS finished the game with like seven free pointers. And what's and uh, Fenner hit like 16 or 15 and they did not win, which is crazy. But that's because the difference is came on the free throw line, and we'll get to that later, obviously, because of the whole story. But to win a game when you make eight less three pointers and you hit your last three pointer at the start of game, uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, for the last nine minutes, I think, or eight minutes, FS do not make a three pointer, and they come back from minus eight to win that one. Wow. So that was amazing. But 
as I said, in the, in the first half, I was like, there is a free, there is a free, there is a free. There is a Vasilya Misic hitting a fadeaway three-pointer on an out-of-bounds play. Will Clyburn making frees. Will begin. Everybody. Yeah. Nigel Hayes Davis suddenly becomes a Nigel Hayes Davis not looks a, like Will Clyburn. Not, not, a, a, not, not a stationary shooter. He's like sprinting towards the guy who is uh posting up. He's sprinting towards him like I don't know, Steph Curry gets the handoff, uh says his feet, shoots shoots a free pointer like this. I was like, okay, okay. This is this yeah. is Nigel Hayes Davis adding to his game. Yeah. Showing, this is the showing, most improved player in the year. The new stuff, for sure. Um, I mean, what a pace. I mean, nobody's bothered to shoot freeze. Like you said, the quality, but I would say the defense. Offensive quality. Offensive quality, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because you, you cannot speak about the defensive quality when one of the playing teams on the court is FS. So. They're I'm not trying. saying that Fenerbahce They're trying. are perfect as well, but 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 yeah, FS is the story of their season. It, that's why it's kind of fun to watch their games as well. It's, it's like they're so good offensively and they're playing a six-man rotation. So you don't really expect a lot of defense from them because basically they're playing 35 minutes each, 30 minutes each guy. And, uh, but yeah. Maybe maybe they are not maybe they are average on defense, but they are just so good in offense that they are leading the series two to one. I don't know what's your what's your main takeaways uh, th from that these games. My main takeaway is that this series has everything. So FS lost the game one by forty two points, right? There was game two, FS leads by seven or eight points with thirty seconds remaining. They almost blew the lead up. And then you see this amazing Will Clyburn uh, game winner. You could even start from way before. They were up by 13, 13 points with five minutes to go, I think. And yeah. then just, I don't know, that was like an all-star game with how they were, everybody was making frees as well. Yeah, and then in game three, you have another ridiculous game. And of course, everybody speaks about Dimitri Sutudis bringing a laptop to the post-game TV interview. And makes the uh, headlines. Okay, so, what do we think about that? Uh, I wish I could be honest. Um, you wish you, know, you could be honest, hundred uh, percent. But I will put this way: I don't think that FS. Lo uh, I don't think that Fenerbahce lost the game because of the referees. I think that they lost the game because, first of all, Nick Kalatis uh, threw two air balls in a decisive stretch when Fenerbahce was still up. I think that they lost the game because Scott uh, Wilbekin also missed some good shots when he was pr pretty wide open, uh, attacking beyond the arc. There were also a couple of other guys uh, missing some shots, and they just couldn't, you know, deliver on there the offensive Goodrich, I think missing a good shot, a good yeah. three-pointer. There were a couple of situations where I agree with Nigel Hayes-Davis' emotions for not uh, getting a call for a clear foul by Elijah Bryant. There was this, you know, tricky situation with Amat Mbaya and Nigel Hayes Davis fighting for the ball, but I would say that this this was already kind of decided because FS they were up by two. I mean, Fenerbahce still would have a chance, you know, to tie the game or to win. But I mean, I don't think that, especially in the in the last quarter, we're talking about two mistakes. I don't think that these mistakes, and we're speaking about the mistakes made only for, uh, you know. Uh, in expense of uh, Fenerbahce. Mm, I didn't see referees doing a good job both ways. 
I would agree that maybe refs did more mistakes and uh, f- kept you know Fenerbahce more hurt about the situation. And we cannot say that refs did a good job because they were actually suspended uh, until the end of the season. Uh, but I wouldn't say that it had such an impact that it was the main reason why FS lo- uh, why Fenerbahce lost. And uh, I wouldn't say that it was the reason why Dimitri should have brought the laptop on the post-game interview uh, and to emphasize those uh, those things. Do, do you agree with me? Do you even think, even if, let's say, refs make 20 mistakes, do you think it's okay to bring your laptop to, to a national TV or whatever that is, TV post-game press conference? I think that's that's too much. Why do you need to do that? Why do you need to be over excessive about this? You can be unhappy in the post game conference and everyone and everyone will will hear it. Why do you need to bring a laptop? <laughs> it's so funny. It was so funny. You know, when when Coach Tudis asked his assistant, I think I don't remember who that was, but just asked him to to play some clips, you know, when he asked the cameraman to zoom the laptop that yeah. he brought. I mean, that's that's some Hollywood. Send the clips to t- to the TV guys, they will they will play it on. And I, I really think that it's more efficient to send those clips really want to, to the that, referees I, I association or whatever they have in Turkey. Uh, I mean, that's some that's some Hollywood, I would say. I think uh, for sure there were there were some missed calls, as you said. Uh, to me, the one that stands out the most probably was the foul on uh, a math and by offensive rebound, mm-hmm. where he got two free throws out of that at yeah. plus two. But do you think do you think the refs allow too much for European coaches actually? Yes, because I do. I think I think they're they they're allowing too much yeah. for the coaches to, to I think to refs allowing too much and, to and coaches themselves allow them too much. Exactly, but you know, if the coaches are doing this, make a purpose, make, you know, an emphasis on this rule like NBA does. Every season they introduce an emphasis on some kind of rule. And if you are, I think we saw too much from the coaches this season on the sidelines. Mm. And you maybe make an emphasis from the start of the season. You know, you could appeal the calls, but make it in a more, make it in a a different manner. Because then they get pissed about almost every call. Then the refs are allowing them too much. Then you get the pressure from the fans and the game starts all of a sudden to be about the refs' mistakes and not on the initial action. Talking about that action, you said... Uh, you you mentioned that Fenner didn't really lose because of the free throws. I I partially agree on this one because the game was tied. I think it's eighty nine, and the four next points of FS do not come from uh, free throws. They come from two field goals where Vasilya Mitchitz mm-hmm. hits the mid range jumper against you know the defense of Motley and Wilbekin, and then it's Clyburn posting up Nick Kalaitis and. Fenerbahce not sending a double team, which is really weird because do you expect really Nick Kalaitis to stop uh, Will Clyburn in the post? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if on this matchup they're going to continue defending him this way. Uh, maybe it was simply because, you know, it was the last seconds and the team wasn't really focused on the matchup, the other guys. 
but as you said, you can't really uh, be angry at the refs when you allow four points like this. You could just play better defense, and maybe then you would have a better chance of winning. Yes, they were there were missed calls. Uh, I would say two of them. But at the same time, during the game, I saw some missed calls to the other side as yeah. well. So it's just you know the timing for for these two especially plays was you know the, the clutch the clutch moments. So you know I I, I also understand yeah. Fender fans that are that are unhappy and that are probably going yeah because to refereeing write. was bad yeah but that, it that, that shouldn't probably, be the main topic I think no That's what the message that we want to send right probably. And it's just. Uh, oh, Fenerbahce fans are going to kill us now after this. But it's, I don't know, if they win Game Four, they are not. They are going to be fine. Mm. And yeah. I be- and they were I be- in control believe, to, ga- to win this game. I believe it is going five games. To be honest, what from what I saw on the court, uh, I think it's going five games. My main concern is Fener's response. Uh, psychological response uh, after a loss like this, after what happens after the game, and all of that stuff. That that's my main concern. But but I really think they're going to uh, bounce back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were playing really good in in, in this game three and game two. I would say that FS they were kind of better, and mm. Fenerbahce still almost managed to pull that one in an incredible manner and then game one I mean it was a total domination by Fenerbahce so these these are very tight series a lot of talent of, on both sides uh, and I'm sure that the two this will make a great uh, tactical adjustments mm-hmm. you know to, to change some situations oh, you can bet on that <laughs> yeah, yeah and for sure they're gonna come back and I agree with you uh, it doesn't matter they're gonna play in FS uh, gym right now but I really expect game five. And in some way, I really thought that Fenerbahce will win this series before the series. I just thought that they were in a better momentum. I just thought that they were more consistent throughout the season. And I I really thought that it matters for them more than for FS uh, because we were questioning FS, you know, motivation, hustle uh, throughout the whole season. And I mean, when the season is, EuroLeague season is kind of over, uh, you know, expectations uh, weren't uh, fulfilled. You're disappointed. Your head coach is already signed. Your head coach is already mm. making moves for the other team. It's very easy uh, to lose the control of yourself, to lose the motivation, and just let your opponents uh, to go away with the victory in the semifinals, especially when you face such a great team as Fenerbahce. So I'm kind of, you know, surprised or I would say maybe impressed by the character that some players showed. Uh, And I would also emphasize the importance of, uh, I wouldn't call them role players, I would call them assets, uh, players who help the star players. So Tibor Plyce is having amazing series, uh, stretching the floor. He's very efficient uh, shooting the ball. I just had his stats in the series and yeah, he's averaging 14 points per game. Uh, on 70% two-point shooting, uh, 6.5 rebounds. Elijah Bryant, Bryant, an amazing series, 17.3 points per game, six rebounds, uh, two assists, a well-deserved extension. I think that it was a great move by FS. Uh, I think he's a really great all-around asset for a team like uh, FS. Uh, He's usually efficient offensively and he really tries hard defensively, one-on-one especially. I mean, from... Team defense perspective, it's 
it's it's it's different but i i'm not going to judge anybody on this team because just the whole team defense also depends on the you know head coach and i wouldn't say that you know head coach has enough discipline in and fixing the defensive end uh, throughout the whole year so it's it's all those players can look defensively they they might look worse than they really are so mm. i wouldn't say it's it's about them and uh, i wouldn't say it's their issue so so yeah and of course will Clyburn is just amazing he, he's him and uh, i'm actually again I, I, I remember him tweeting after i think uh monaco maccabi one of the games or, he, may, or maybe game five uh where mike james just had that 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 first half he was like tweeting i'm him and like after the ending of game two, I was like, yeah, you are him. Yeah. <laughs> Four free pointers, all of them are extremely tough. And he just hits them both. I think all of them were swishes also. Yeah. And I love the passion of, mm. of this guy because it, it really feels that for him, this series is personal. Uh, and I think it's also personal because of his... Uh, you know, him clashing with the fans on social media, he gets a lot of hate. He got a lot of hate from Olympiacos fans for his Final Four predictions. And I hope <laughs> we will bring him back on the podcast. And I hope that, you know, he understands, he understands what we have to go through throughout the whole season. He, he appeared only on the one podcast. No, I think he still gets more hate because of because he's actually playing, you know. And yeah, he's he's playing, and he, of course, he's shouting, he's fashion defense, which I don't see anything wrong about that. He's not showing you a middle finger, and the, these emotions, these antics, it's uh, all was, about the passion. He was shushing the, the crowd in, in the the ending of game two. Yeah, and Itudis also was uh, questioning, you know, why he doesn't get a technical or whatever. Because Goodrich, I think he got a technical yes. for too small, right? Yeah. First of all, never too small, never the shushing the crown should be penalized. And this is such a beautiful and fun part of the yeah. game. Why are you um, not allowing the interactions yeah. with the fans or with the other players? I mean, since when too small is yeah. a technical foul? Yeah. Since when shushing the crowd should be a technical foul? Since when and this is fun? Flop, not flop is a ejection. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of things and uh, you know what why watching this series watching how you know these of course we 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 are not supporting these attacks by neither panhaikos or olympiakos fans before both games there were some incidents uh that's why uh, olympiakos fans even got the uh, olympiakos team even got the fine of you know playing one game without fans and uh, of course, there were things with Panathinaikos fans as well. Then after the game, you see clubs making official announcements on their websites, you know, blaming referees. Now you see the series between Fenerbahce and FS, and you see Dimitris Atudis bringing the laptop to the post-game interview. And it just, a lot of stuff happen is happening, which is not related to pure basketball. And in Lithuania, why I'm proud of our Elkhill final series, we don't have this, you know, bullshit between the owners front offices between the fans okay there were some incidents in konas uh, i think where there were some incidents with rita's uh, uh, fans being attacked by some Shargiris fans but okay it's kind of a part of the business at least it was not something organized uh, before uh, 
and we're and having it, it really happen in the in the gym yeah and right? we are also having yeah there are no attacks from fans toward players or coaches or whatsoever it's just some things between between fans outside the court uh, we're having really high quality refereeing we have one of the top referees in the Euroleague Euro Gitas officiating in, in the final series. And then when you watch what's happening in, in Greece and Turkey, when you watch that some of the best referees are refusing to officiate in ABBA League finals. That's crazy. News that made me really sad. And to kind but of that, realize that if they make this decision, I mean, that means what kind of the, the pressure they're getting, that they're sacrificing this, you know, opportunity to to do the, you know, to do what they actually are trying to do, you know, to officiate in the, the most important games of the season, that's really sad. That's really sad how much of unnecessary noise around those uh, there are uh, around those series. And Lithuania, it's mostly about okay, both teams are not making shots at all. Both teams are making the series ugly. Uh, a lot of a lot of things are different when compared to the level that FS or Fenerbahce provides, but. At least it's it's all about basketball, and that's the best part. And it's great that we're gonna have a game five and Rita and Dragic. It's about series. basketball and uh, fans being great as well. Yeah, on both on both courts. I mean, you may you could you can laugh all you want, but Marcus Foster saying that Rita's gym is a mini Oaka. You know, there is a word mini for for that because it's really small, and the fans are so close. But it's. Such a huge advantage it gives to to the Rita's team, and what an amazing comeback from them yesterday, coming back from seven points down in the last two minutes. Marcus Foster hitting that layup in transition. You know that's that's beautiful. What's beautiful about basketball is you miss two free throws, and then you don't need to call a timeout. There is no set defense. You can just go out in transition and run, and that's what. Ritas are good at doing this. Marcus Foster is the number one player to do exactly that in, in the in the transition. And he just went with his speed, with his power, and, and made that layup. You know, that was probably the most easiest of layups he huh. saw all the one game. One of the most easiest game winners, shots. maybe, for him. Yeah, probably, yes. And um I'm I'm just I'm I'm really glad that. Uh, this series, the fi the LKL final series are finally competitive mm. Mm, because we are not used to this, to seeing this competitiveness in the last, what, 10 it years maybe? It could be a lot of years, to be honest. Because if I'm right, the last time we had the decisive do or die game in the final series, which was maybe game seven even back in the day, it was when... Ritas was playing Jalgiris when Kortonaitis was the head coach. And I think that Jalgiris was coached by Marcus Brown and Dana Schallinger. By players. Beca because crazy owner decided to fire the head coach in the middle of the final series. So I think that was this last... I, we might be mistaken, but I think you I think you are right about this. Yeah. The last decisive game that happened was uh, in that series. And... There were some crazy yeah. stuff going on. There. And exactly, there was a lot of non-basketball related drama. And Here it's all about basketball. And for the foreign people that are still listening to, to even to this segment, uh, Jalgris in the finals against Ritas in the last 13 years, I think, Jonas Lakshas, our colleague, counted this. They had, Jalgris had 25 wins and Rita's had like two, two wins yeah. in 27 games in the only in the final series. So that's how competitive 
competitive yeah. our final series have been before and right now we are going to have a game five on saturday and jalgir arena are going to be sold out yeah. as well as rita's gym of 2.5k was yesterday and yeah one game anything could happen marcus foster could have 35 point game and margaris normantas could have a 34 point game just like he had in the in the regular season or jalgiris could make 16 three pointers just like they did in game three who knows and one last thing i want to add about marcus foster uh he's a hell of a scorer and he was scoring a lot for for Rita throughout the whole year especially in the most important games of the season and in this game it felt it was one of the worst important games for Marcus Foster. Even his shots were not following in. You know, the so ball many was spinning in and out. out. So yeah, many exactly. And, out. and uh, before the fourth quarter, I think that he had like four or six points. And it was like in, in at one uh, situation, I think it was in the first half, when he was subbed out after the his second uh, personal foul, he not just... Mm, left uh, to the bench. He went to the uh, tunnel of the of the gym. He left the floor. He spent there some a couple of minutes with himself, not mad because of being benched, but just you know being concerned or mad about himself, about the, how the game was not coming to him. And then he returns. Shots are not falling in again. But that's the beauty of the game. First of all, I think that he scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. And also, you know, this game winner. And mm. these MVP chants by the fans after the wow. game, doing the post-game uh, interview. I mean, it was not his game, but still, he, he, he you know, he won the game for, for Ritas. And even though it was not his game, he deserved that, uh, these MVP chants and this game winner. I still remember uh, when Ritas signed him, we were actually here in office talking about some other things. And I'm like, wow. Rita's got the best perimeter player um, from both of these teams mm, in Lithuania, and uh, like the best scorer, pure pure scorer, because Keenan Evans wasn't seen as yeah. as as that guy, that great, that good, but and you know, and Foster was always known as a pure scorer, and I'm like, wow, Rita's Rita's made a great signing, and and you know, throughout the season, he are he is showing exactly that. Uh, and that thing he's doing, by the way, I think he, it's not the first time I've heard he's he's done yeah. that. Maybe he's just you know it's his taking a break, own way, yeah, to take mm. the break and resetting uh, his mind yeah. when when the things maybe are not going well. Very interesting guy. But I, but Very I love but guy. I love the way he celebrates every shot. Uh, I I know Gedrujebianas are probably going crazy about it sometimes mm. because of how long he celebrates with the fans. But I love his interactions. I think uh, the arena, the fans. Mm get into the game even more because of the way he reacts and Ritas needs that atmosphere to to actually win mm. uh, against Schalgers. Yeah. Do we have something else? Uh we have a couple of rumors uh which you can also find on our article which is exclusively accessible only for BN Plus members which is BN Insider. Uh, we daily update the things that we hear uh, behind the scenes. And uh, actually one of, I can share some of the stories that we wrote in this article. These are very short uh, things, for instance, that Alex Poitras may still remain in Tel Aviv, in, in Maccabi, uh, despite the reports, although Maccabi seriously considered opting out of his contract, which 
from what I hear is close to 1 million euros, it's still possible that Poitras might remain for a lower salary, for, for mm. instance. So he's not definitely ruled out. Um, there were rumors, a lot of rumors about Darius Thompson. But the thing is, unless something has changed during Fenerbahce FS game, for instance, watching Nicolaitis missing two wide open trees, uh, there were no real serious negotiations between Darius Thompson and uh, Fenerbahce. That's for sure that Darius Thompson is followed closely by a lot of uh, good EuroLeague teams. He's really um, uh, one of the hottest free agents. No, he's, first of all, he's not a free agent. <laughs> he has a contract with Bosconia <laughs> and there's a, high, a big buyout uh, over 500,000 euros. But from what I hear from, from basketball people, it's really believed that even despite this buyout, he will leave Basconia because there's a lot of interested interest in him, and some big teams uh, will be, you know, uh, pers persuaded to, to to try to sign him. Uh, so it's a big summer for for Darius Thompson. But again, with Fenerbahce, at least right now, there's nothing close to done deal as it was reported. So these are a couple of things that we uh, we report on this BN inside Insider article. There are some rumors about. Juancho Hernan Gomez, for instance, Juan Penaroya, Matias Lazorts, and you can find this all information on Basket News Insider. On the article. Yeah. And just the very last thing I wanted to address is that there are some reports about first commitments for Team USA uh, before the upcoming FIBA World Cup. So we have, as I mentioned, eight guys, right? Jaron Jackson, Brandon Ingram, Anton Edwards, Therese Halliburton, uh, Austin Reeves, not Germany, but Team USA, uh, Mikhail Bridges, uh, Bobby Portis, and Jalen Brunson. They committed to playing for Team USA. And my question is, is this Team USA vulnerable uh, compared to the previous uh, Team USA rosters? First of all, shout out to Austin Reeves, who Rita's thought shouldn't be even on the Germany team because <laughs> they have Andreas Obst. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, you know, he broke out completely during this season for the Lakers and are now making is now making the USA team. What I like about this team is that all of these guys are basically making uh, or will make a lot of them debuted for Team USA. Uh, these guys are hungry to prove they are, they are, you know, among the best. Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, you know, these guys have a bright future. They are already stars, but they have the potential to be the superstars, the faces of the league. Jalen Brunson, I think he fits really well to the European game. Uh, you know, his drives, his patience, his two foot stops in the paint. I think that fits extremely well with the how the defenses are set on FIBA rules. And uh, Jackson Jr. is a cheat code defensively, can shoot the ball as well. Uh, I really like how Team USA are uh, shaping up this roster. I still think they need a couple of big names. And I think that they need veterans. To be, exactly. You, you, you need one or two stars, superstars to join, and you will be 
more than fine, and, I think. And I would say that they need a couple of FIBA veterans, somebody who has played FIBA game, because I remember all these documentaries, you know, the Redeem team and, 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 and others. And one of the main reasons why there was this stretch when Team USA was losing was because, okay, they brought these young, young, young stars, young promising players, uh, who established themselves already in the NBA, but they were lacking of FIBA playing experience. And of course that experience, which could have been learned from, from veteran players. So I think that's that's the thing that uh, Team USA mm. is still working on, or at least it was not reported yet who are joining the team from the vets. Mikhail Bridges is also there. Like that's the guy you want to watch for next season because he is going to be all-star for sure in in Brooklyn. Uh but I agree. They need they need some they need some guys who know who have been there. I'm not sure if they're going to get some of those though. Mm. I mean, are these already the biggest names or mm. are they going to announce the stars one or two stars uh the latest? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, but I'm really excited excited about these names. Like huh. this these are the young guys that are going to be the faces of the league really soon and just i want to see how they how they do on on fiba court but i think they they will be fine you still treat them as you know the odds to win it all in fiba world cup i think they're the team one of the three teams to beat top three teams to beat mm -hmm. you know these are these are great players and i mean it's only eight guys mm. So they 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 miss four, but I think you know what 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 other two teams you would say are the favorites? Uh, it depends on who are gonna play for those teams. Like I yeah. I think I think we're not going to see the strongest rosters. Mm, that's the thing. In this year's World World Cup, and uh, I think a lot of players are going to sit out. Not not maybe maybe the the stars, the main superstars will be there. You know, Yanis, Luka, Jokic. Mm. It's all about supporting cast that they're gonna bring together, and I, I think a lot of guys are going are not going to be there mm. because the world, the world, the the Olympics uh, are there next summer. Because if you are playing both World Cup and the Olympics and the season, you are probably playing two years with a rest of maybe what couple of weeks, because basically you have the Olympics in the end of July, I think, start of. August, so the preparation has to start a month before end of June. You finish your season after starting your season in the World Cup. You will finish your season mm -hmm. early June. So you have like two weeks between that and after the Olympics, if you play there, you will have to go to the season, the European season in preseason camps will be like starting two weeks also. It's crazy. It's crazy schedule. So I can see why a lot of guys are mm. skipping this summer. Yeah. Although I would really love to see full Serbia roster and of course healthy Greek national team roster because they had most of the guys I think last year it just were too many injuries throughout the whole process so so yeah uh, of course we will cover the FIBA World Cup uh, getting closer to the tournament but yeah that's that's all this time next week, week we might have Ritis uh, coming back from Riga where he went to basically to commentate uh, NBA games and Bay Finals so we might expand on, on on this topic as well and yeah throughout this weekend we have French League Finals starting with Monaco against Victor Wanyama uh, 
Uh, Italian League finals are starting on Friday. We actually have game four in Turkish League uh, semifinals. It's so weird to call it semifinals. At one point, I even got confused, or somebody else from my colleagues got confused. So no, no, that, that was me. Oh, you you were there? That was me. Okay, because it's 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 weird to see them fighting in the semifinals. Uh, uh, so so yeah, they're playing on Friday as well. A lot of action on Ecos Olympiacos on Sunday, I think. So a lot of things to discuss on on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, it's it's more actually more games than more intense than EuroLeague playoffs, mm-hmm. to be honest, because just so much happening in every in every country. Yeah. So last couple of weeks before there is there are no more games. So yeah, we're trying <laughs> to take the most out of it. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for watching us. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for being with us until the very end, even with domestic. I didn't even mention ACB finals, for instance. So a lot of basketball still has to be played and Let's try everyone to keep that attention span on, on, on basketball because there's some also great basketball left to play. And yeah, press like button, subscribe basketball news channel, join Beyond Plus community, and see you very soon, right? Yeah, see you guys.